Welcome to Season 2 of Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a confidence life coach, comedian and mother of two. I invite you to join me bi-weekly for confidence tips and interesting chats with my guests who work in fields that help develop confidence. And sometimes with people who have a personal story to share of how they were able to break free from fears that held them back from living their life with confidence and purpose. I apologize for not putting out an episode last week. I still have a little bit of a cough and um, a husky voice and some breathlessness. So I apologize, but really wanted to put an episode out this week. Today, I wanted to do a solo episode talking about how important I think reading is in helping our confidence grow. What is the link between reading and confidence, whether it be fiction or nonfiction? For me personally, I feel it's made a lot of difference, a really big difference in my life. And I don't mean just being able to read, which, of course, we all know how much confidence that gives the person. Being illiterate, not being able to read, really limits how much you have access to the world, understanding the world, communicating with the world. However, just reading fiction and nonfiction allows us to understand others and understand ourselves through others. Most people maybe that we see talking or in parliament or on television or in film are extroverted rather than introverted. And if you're an introverted person, you might not feel that you see yourself represented in the media or represented in life around you in general. But through books, you read more the introverted person, perhaps. The writers who like to keep to themselves and don't like to be in the public eye are able to express themselves through writing, through characters in books, whether it be children's books and finding yourself in that, you know, the child that's bullied or the child that's shy. This is really, really helpful to be able to see yourself in others and to think I'm not alone and there are others like me and this is normal. So that is what I think reading gives us. It also gives us a lot of information. It gives us knowledge about things that we might question. We might think, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? And discover that thousands, millions of people are all going through the same things, thinking the same things. All of this allows you to feel more confident about what you're going through, who you are and how you feel. So I thought I'd mention and share with you a few of the books that I have found really, really helpful and books that I've also enjoyed reading were easy to read. I'm going to start with the first book, which is called Notes on a Nervous Planet. And it's by Matt Haig. Matt Haig is a British author and journalist. He's written both fiction and non-fiction books for children and adults, often in the speculative fiction genre. Some of his work, especially part of the non-fiction books, is inspired by the mental breakdown he suffered when he was 24 years old and tried to take his life. And 
He suffers from anxiety and shares his feelings very honestly on his Instagram page, which I've been following for years now and have read many, many of his books. But this was the first one that really captured my attention and introduced me to Matt. Matt Haig invites us to feel calmer, happier and question the habits of the digital age. I love the way it's written in very, very short chapters and they're separate so you could read any particular one at any particular time they're just about two pages long with a title about a particular topic so for instance I'll just pick out one for you now this chapter starts with a question if you were already good enough what on earth would you spend your money on happiness is not good for the economy We're encouraged continually to be a little bit dissatisfied with ourselves. Our bodies are too fat or too thin or too saggy. Our skin is expected to have the right sun-kissed glow or the right shade of lightness. Depressingly, the global skin lightening industry is a multi-billion dollar one that is growing year by year. This is a particularly troubling example, but this central idea of not feeling good enough is one that businesses try to exploit almost everywhere. Indeed, it can sometimes seem as though the whole purpose of marketing itself is to make us feel bad about ourselves. We are, in short, encouraged to be addicts. And in another chapter called Transcendence, he says, we are being sold unhappiness because unhappiness is where the money is. Much of what is sold to us is the idea that we could be better than who we are if we tried to become something else. And I think this is so true. Before we were sold this idea by magazines, by adverts on television programmes or at the cinema during a movie. But now we are selling it to each other. So now Instagram is doing that. Influencers are doing that because then they're benefiting, showing that their life is perfect, using a particular product or always looking fabulous. So this whole everybody comparing themselves to everyone else, feeling less and needing to feel better and better themselves from the outside is what is so damaging now that we are actually doing that to each other. So I totally agree with what he's saying there and it makes you think about so many things that maybe you don't question otherwise. And going back to talking about becoming addicts, there's a chapter called A Problem in Your Pocket and I'll just read um, the last page of it. It says that an increasing amount of research reinforces and shows how technology contributes to a state of continual partial attention and how it can be addictive. One study in 2017 concluded that the mere presence of your smartphone can reduce cognitive capacity. At the time of writing, there is still no official recognition that smartphone addiction or social media addiction are psychological disorders, although the fact that the World Health Organization now classifies video game addiction as an official mental disorder suggests that there is a growing understanding of how seriously technology can affect our mental health. But that understanding still has a long way to go and clearly lags behind the disorientating speed of technological change. And it really does affect our social skills. 
it's been noticed that teenagers don't really have the same social skills as adults do because they spend so much time on on tablets and WhatsApp and just using emojis and very short sentences and they've got short attention spans, you know, because if something bores them in a reel or a TikTok, they just jump to the next thing. And so in real life situations, there isn't this patience anymore to hear something for longer than maybe two minutes or something that doesn't interest you. And I love this chapter, How Do You Stay Human in a World of Change? So it says, just think, in the year 2000, no one knew what a selfie was. Google did just about exist, but it was a long way from becoming a verb. There was no YouTube, no vlogging, no Wikipedia, no WhatsApp, no Snapchat, no Skype, no Spotify, no Siri, no Facebook, no Netflix, no iPads, no crying with laughter emoji. Almost no one had satnav. You generally looked at photographs and albums and the cloud was only ever a thing which produced rain. Even writing this paragraph, I sense how quickly it will date. How in a few years there will be so many embarrassing omissions from that list. So many technological brands and inventions which haven't quite arrived. Indeed, think about that. Think how shamefully dated technology becomes in a mere matter of years. Think of fax machines and old mobile phones and compact discs and dial-up modems and Betamacs and VHS and the first e-readers. So things are moving really fast and we're depending on technology for nearly everything now. And I know it sounds depressing, um, maybe the parts that I've read so far, but I think they're important for us to know because it can feel even more depressing and more... Um, confusing to think what's wrong with me you know to question yourself and think why am I so bored why can't I concentrate why am I procrastinating all the time why do I spend hours looking through reels and instead of being so hard on yourself when you read the facts and you can see it very very clearly written in a book and you realise you're not the only one that's feeling this. There's something that you can do about it. It gives you the confidence to make decisions for yourself. Decisions about what you're going to do and not going to do. What you will allow to affect your life and not allow. Another book that I loved was Mindfulness, A Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World by Mark Williams and Danny Penman. Mindfulness is about becoming fully aware of the life you've already got rather than the life you wish you had. And a lot of people might think that practicing mindfulness or meditation is actually a really difficult thing. Well, this book makes it so easy. It also comes with a free CD of guided meditations. So when you're preparing food or you're eating, washing up, driving, These are all times where you can actually notice what's happening in the present moment because our mind is usually thinking of a future event or an imaginary circumstance of a conversation that could happen or something in the past, a conversation that has happened that you would have said differently or some memory. 
So instead of letting our mind drift to the future or the past, we can bring it back into the present moment and notice what's going on around us. In the chapter of Why Do We Attack Ourselves, there's a part called Escaping the Vicious Cycle. You can't stop the triggering of unhappy memories, negative self-talk and judgmental ways of thinking, but what you can stop is what happens next. You can stop the vicious cycle from feeding off itself and triggering the next spiral of negative thoughts. And you can do this by harnessing an alternative way of relating to yourself and the world. The mind can do so much more than simply analyse problems with its doing mode. The problem is that we use the doing mode so much we can't see that there is an alternative. Yet there is another way. If you stop and reflect for a moment, the mind doesn't just think, it can also be aware that it is thinking. This form of pure awareness allows you to experience the world differently. It's bigger than thinking. It's unclouded by your thoughts, feelings and emotions. It's like a high mountain, a vantage point from which you can see everything for many miles around. Pure awareness transcends thinking. It allows you to step outside the chattering negative self-talk and your reactive impulses and emotions. It allows you to look at the world once again with open eyes. And when you do so, a sense of wonder and quiet contentment begins to reappear in your life. So if you're not driving and you're sat down and you have five or ten minutes that you can completely just let go, close your eyes and relax, I thought we could try a body scan. And a body scan is a form of mindfulness. It's noticing how you feel in the body because so much of our time is spent in the head, in the brain, thinking, thinking all the time. But when we shut off the thinking, we allow that to pause and to stop. We'll notice sensations in our body. And sensations in our body are telling us things, trying to communicate but we don't notice. And it calms us down to go into our body instead of into our heads. And there are many different meditations in here that can be tried and they're written out and very, very useful. So I'd like to try a body scan meditation with you. And if you want to forward that part because you're driving or at work or somewhere, um, and you can come back to it later, then please do so. So lie down on your back and make yourself comfortable in a place where you'll feel warm and undisturbed. You can lie on your bed, directly on the floor or on a rug. Wrap yourself in a blanket if that feels comfortable. You may find it helpful to close your eyes, but do feel free to keep them open if you prefer or to open them at any time during the meditation if you feel you're falling asleep. Take a few moments to bring your awareness to the physical sensations in your body, especially to those of touch or pressure where your body makes contact with whatever you're lying on. On each out-breath, allow yourself to sink a little deeper into the surface.
gently remind yourself that this is a time for falling awake rather than falling asleep. It is a time to be fully aware of your experience as it is, not as you think it should be. You should not try to change the way you are feeling, not even to be more relaxed or calmer. The intention of this practice is to bring awareness to any and all sensations as you focus your attention systematically on each part of your body. Sometimes you may feel no sensations at all. If that is the case, then simply acknowledge this. There's no need to try and imagine sensations where none can be noticed. Now bring your awareness to the sensations in your abdomen. Becoming aware of the changing patterns in the abdominal wall as the breath moves in and out of your body. Take a few minutes to feel the sensations as you breathe in and out, as your abdomen rises and falls. Having connected with the sensations in your abdomen, gather your attention as if it were a spotlight and bring it down the body into your legs, into both feet and all the way out to your toes. Focus on each of the toes, bringing a gentle, interested attention to them. Investigate the qualities of the sensations. You might notice a feeling of contact between the toes, or perhaps feel a tingling sensation, or one of warmth or numbness, or absolutely no sensation at all. Whatever you experience is okay. There is no need to judge it. See if it's possible to allow the sensations to be just as they are. On an in-breath, feel or imagine that the breath could enter the lungs and pass all the way down the body, through the legs and into the toes. On the out-breath, feel or imagine the breath flowing out of the toes, the feet, legs, torso and finally out of the nose. Continue focusing in this way for a few breaths. You might find it difficult to get the hang of this, so just practice as best you can, approaching it playfully. When you are ready, on an out-breath, let go of the toes and bring your awareness to the sensations in the bottom of your feet. Bring a gentle, investigative awareness to their soles. Then move your awareness to the instep and then the heel of each foot. You might notice, for example, 
a slight sense of pressure where the heels make contact with the mat or bed. Experiment with breathing into any of the sensations that you discover, being aware of the breath in the background as you explore the sensations in the bottom of the feet. Allow your awareness to expand into the rest of the feet, into the top of the feet, into the ankles, right into the bones and joints. On a deeper and more intentional in-breath, direct it down into both feet. On the out-breath, let go of the feet completely and shift your attention to the lower legs. Continue scanning your whole body in the same way, lingering for a time over each part in turn. After your lower legs, move up to the knees and then the thighs. Now move your awareness to the pelvic area, your groin, genitals, buttocks and hips. Become conscious of your lower back, abdomen, upper back, and finally your chest and shoulders. Gently bring your awareness to both hands. When you focus on your hands, you could first attend to the sensations in the tips of your fingers and thumbs, then the whole finger and thumbs, the palms of the hands, and then their backs. Then gently move to your wrists, lower arms and elbows, upper arms, shoulders and armpits. Then move your awareness to your neck, your face, jaw, mouth, lips, nose, cheeks, ears, eyes and forehead before finally holding your entire head in full awareness. You should hold each region of your body for perhaps 20 to 30 seconds. There is no need to measure the time accurately or count the breaths. Simply attend to each part of the body in turn for as long as seems natural. When you become aware of any intense sensations such as tension in a particular part of your body, See how it is to breathe into them to explore them further. Use the in-breath to gently bring awareness into the sensations. Then see how the sensations change, if at all, when you breathe out of them. From time to time, the mind will inevitably wander away from the breath and body. This is entirely normal. When you notice it, gently acknowledge the fact. Make a mental note of where your thoughts went off to and gently return your awareness to the part of the body you intended to focus on. After you have scanned the whole body in this way, spend a few minutes becoming aware of the body as a whole. Feel the sensations of wholeness. See if you can hold all of the fluxing sensations in spacious awareness. 
feeling the breath flowing freely in and out of the body. And now take in some breath through your nose and start to move your fingers and your toes and noticing the space around you and your surroundings as you slowly open your eyes. So I hope you feel a sense of calmness and remember that the body scan can be very relaxing so it's easy to fall asleep while doing it. And there's no need to criticise yourself. It took me a very, very long time to be able to do this and actually stay awake. You can do it sitting up with your head against a pillow. And just notice how going into the body and switching off those thoughts for a while can create such calmness. And that is what mindfulness is. It is our thoughts that lead to our feelings and our feelings lead to our actions. So if we want to change our actions, it really has to start from the quality of our thoughts. And most of us are unaware of our thoughts. We don't even realise what's going on in our minds while we're doing something else. And so the more that we can tap into that and notice what we're thinking and not be attached to those thoughts because we think I am those thoughts, those thoughts are true. And that's why we feel so emotional, so passionate, so angry, so sad because we really believe these thoughts. But our thoughts are not us. So for today's episode, I'm just going to leave you with hopefully that relaxed state and continue in part two with some more books that I found beneficial or helpful or interesting to read. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniacurdy.com if you would like to ask a question comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.